What is the greatest day in history? If you were to ask people up and down the street in your neighborhood or uh, in your apartment complex, if you were to go uh, at work and go office to office or cubicle to cubicle and ask what is the greatest day in history, if you were to go into your school and go locker to locker and ask what is the greatest day in history, different people would say different things. Uh, some would perhaps uh, say, well, the greatest day in history is the day my wife said she would marry me. Others would say, it's the day my baby was born. Some would say the greatest day in history was um, the day that uh, the Texas Rangers won the pennant. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, but we can hope. Uh, there's actually a book called The Greatest Day in History. It's a guy, written by a guy named Nicholas Best. And and as you read the book, really all you have to do is read the extended title of the book uh, to see where he lands on answering the question, what is the greatest day in history? The, the long title of the book is The Greatest Day in History, How on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, the First World War finally came to an end. So according to Nicholas Best, November the 11th, 1918, is the greatest day in history. And, and I'm not saying he's way off the mark. Certainly, anytime you have a, a, a treaty for peace that is signed, that ends war between uh, battling nations, that is a great day in history. But here's the problem with that. Uh, that great day in history, the peace that was signed on that day, uh, was a temporary peace because if you're even partly a student of history you know that great world war one was followed by world war two and so as we look at uh, the greatest day in history we we see that there are many opinions about that but i would contend that the greatest day in history is the day when permanent peace was purchased, when victory over our greatest enemy was won. I would contend that the greatest day in history was the day where God declared dead, death, and, and once and for all sin has been defeated through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Peace has been purchased for us. I would say that the greatest day in history, you might expect me to say that, by the way, right? Especially today, right? This is the day where I'm going to talk about what I believe the greatest day in history. Because, please, get this. Before this day in history, everyone died and remained dead. But after this day in history, we know that Jesus died and then lived. Before this day in history, peace was fleeting because death was coming. You all know that death is one of those uh, great tormentors of human life. And no matter where you are on the spectrum of age or generation or even cultural expression, death is a reality. Can I give you a startling statistic? One out of every one person in this room will die.
death is real. Regardless of your age, regardless of, uh, of, of your socioeconomic background, your history, your heritage, everything becomes even playing field when we face this thing called death. And death scares us silly. You see people acting crazy to somehow escape the torment of death. People behaving in irrational ways in order to escape the threat of death. Even philosophers. And, and again, to say death is scary is not a Christian thing. It is a human thing. You go back. I just picked two uh, philosophers from days past. One being someone you might have uh, heard of. His name's Aristotle. Aristotle said this. He said, death is a dreadful thing, for it is the end. That's all there is. 2,000 years later, another philosopher named Rousseau said it this way. He said, no man dares to face death without fear. We look at death and we see through the lens of a temporary existence that death uh, confronts us all and yet in the face of death literally in the face of death Peter writes to believers around Asia Minor he writes to people who were facing death Here, here's the deal when Peter was writing in 1st Peter chapter 1 the whole book whole letter he was writing in a time where if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, then the government was going to send authorities to arrest you, then to torture you, then to let the lions and tigers and bears destroy you. All because you were a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is the persecution that Peter was riding in the midst of. If you were a believer, you were going to die. Okay? And yet in the face of that death, listen to what Peter writes. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant love has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation which is ready to be revealed in the very last time here's what Peter declares Peter declares in the face of death itself in the face of every torment in the face of anything that you might face blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as we look at this passage, what I want you to see is that, that yes, we face our own kind of, 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 of torment and misery. Compared to the people that Peter was writing to, it's just a tidbit of terror. It's just a, a morsel of misery compared to them, but, but our tidbit and our morsel is very real to us. And in the face of those difficulties and dangers and struggles and fears and insecurities, God has a word to say to you and me, and that word is Easter. 
that Jesus who was dead is now alive. And because Jesus lives, we can have a peace that never dies. That's the message of Easter for us, that Jesus lives so that we can have a peace that never dies. And this is a peace that is more than just the absence of conflict. It's a peace that gives us purpose and satisfaction and meaning, wholeness of life. It's peace that, that rises up in defiance against the conflict that we face and says, I am content. It is a peace that works on the inside of us and bubbles out. It's a peace that we all need. It's a peace that we want. It's a peace that we can have because Jesus lives. When we face uh, our conflicts and our struggles, and, and certainly they're very real to us. Many of you getting ready for uh, worship today, uh, you uh, had uh, different outfits that you were going to wear, and, and you worked diligently to get those outfits ready and maybe you couldn't find a shoe that you were going to wear or maybe you had a sister that was wearing the shoe that you were supposed to wear or maybe maybe there was uh, something about your hair that you just couldn't get right I've never had that problem there's something about your hair that you just couldn't get right but 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 whatever it was it caused a deep amount of stress and distress in your life and I get that But even in the face of that conflict, even in the face of those tidbits of terror and morsels of misery, please know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant love has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's the good news for us, that even in the face of those conflicts, how how minor or how major they may be, we can have a peace that never dies. Now, we get here today, and, and so many of us come, and we're looking for something to soothe us in the midst of our misery or in the, in the tidbits of our terror. We're, we're looking for something to fix what's broken. And, and I, I, I would... Soap. This is soap. And this is something I commend to all who are here. Regardless location that you're at, soap is wonderful. Please use it. Uh, this, this soap is uh, aqua impact scented. It, oh yeah, yeah. That'd make me smell good. I mean, that is beautiful smell. That is wonderful. Not as good as probably some of your... Uh, uh, essential oils, but you know, I mean, it's pretty good. Can, can I tell you about soap or essential oils? Soap is good, but soap cannot fix a damaged heart. Soap is good, soap is wonderful, but soap can't cure a broken body soap soap is marvelous but soap can't raise to life that which is dead 
And yet many of us come here today and we're looking for spiritual soap to salve our souls. We're looking for just a little, a little something to make us feel a little bit better. And, and maybe, maybe it's not just getting here on a Sunday to, to try to soak in a spiritual tub to, to make us feel a little bit better. We don't want anything to blow up our life. We don't want anything to change our life. We just want to feel good about the life that we're living in. And so we come and we get a little spiritual soap for our soul, try to rub it up against it. Uh, against us a little bit so that so that we feel just a little bit cleaner when we leave I get that I've done that I understand that but we need something more than a temporary fix to a perennial permanent problem that we have soap is good but it can't give you peace when we when we gather here today my prayer is that you and I would see maybe for the very first time how that how that God in his love has provided us a life that is full and complete that we can get no other way. That he offers to you a life that is full and complete that you can get no other way. That you would stop turning to spiritual soap or religious soap or relational soap, all these different kind of things to try to get yourself a little bit better so that you can have a letter, little bit better outlook in life. I pray that you would see that there is only one way for you to experience peace. That is wholeness of life, fullness of life, purpose in life, life without any missing pieces. The only way for you to experience peace that never dies is to take hold of Jesus who lives. That's what Peter's getting at. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant love has begotten us again. We can have peace that never dies because God's love gives us a new beginning. New beginning. Just rest in that for a second. Have you ever wanted a do-over? A do-over. In golf, it's called a mulligan. Some of y'all take it on every hole. You're not supposed to do that. A do-over. Have you ever wanted a do-over when you've said a word that's harsh in a fit of anger? Or where you fractured a relationship that is meaningful to you, where, where you have made choices in your yesterday that have, have demoralized you or demoralized others, that have, that have damaged you or damaged others or both. Have you ever looked at your life and said, oh, I wish I had a do-over? I mean, I've, I've, I've wanted to do over in my life more times than I can count. And, and if I had time this morning, I would give you uh, some examples of, of those choices that I've made or examples of those paths that I walked that I wish I had a do over. But since I don't have time, I can't talk about it. But if you've been with me for any period of time, you know I don't mind talking about it. See, the truth is, we all need a do-over. And that's what God gives us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. By his love, according to his abundant love, he has begotten us again. There is hardly anything that could be more stark in its imagery for a do-over than a new life. Being born again. 
You, you were not, and now you are. It is fresh. It is new. It is life changing this is what the resurrection means for us because jesus lives we can have a peace that never dies because god in his love gives us a new beginning don't you want that new beginning? by the way we all need it there's not a person here who doesn't need a new beginning there's not a person here who doesn't need a do-over all of us Wherever you are, you need a do-over. Why? Because our problem at core is our sin. I hope I don't have to explain this too much, but let me just tell you, you have sinned. Kempsville location, you've sinned. Volvo location, you've sinned. We have all sinned. We have all sinned, and we've fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us have sinned. And our sin, no matter how small or slight we may believe it to be, our sin has separated us from God. Now, this is reality. This is just basic Bible, right? Our sin creates a chasm between us and God that we cannot cross. No matter how good we try to be, no matter how much spiritual soap we try to apply, we can't make up for the sin in our life. That sin separates us from God. And because we're separated from God, this great chasm that we cannot cross we are living in a hopelessness and a despair that we cannot cure. But God in his love sends Jesus our way. Jesus, who is God's son, born of a virgin, born under the law, that he might rescue us. Jesus came and he lived his life without sin so that he could go to a cross and die for sinners like you and me. And as he hung upon the cross... For your sin and mine, taking the guilt of your sin, his cross built a bridge between us and God so that when we by faith trust in Jesus and follow after him and cling to him, then we can walk across that bridge that Jesus has built into the very presence of God. New life. That's, that's what creates it. It's not a new way of thinking about life. It's not a new way of studying life. It's not a new way of feeling about life. It is new life. Don't you want a do-over? Forgiveness for sin that gives us peace that will never die. Jesus lives so that we can have peace that never dies. And he does this so that uh, by God's love giving us giving us a, 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 a forgiveness for our sin that gives us a new beginning, a fresh start. We can have peace that never dies because uh, we, God's love gives us this new beginning, but also because God's love gives us security that never fades. You walk around our buildings uh, and at, at, at whatever location, and you walk around our buildings, and there are cameras in key locations. And, and those are uh, security cameras, video cameras. We're watching what you're doing. Did you know? They're watching us right now. But that's for your security and for our security. We, we want to be able to protect. And we all long for security in life. Every single person, we long to be safe. No matter how old or how young, you want to be safe. Now, you might measure that in different ways, but there is a sense of security. You don't want to be insecure. You don't want to feel 
fearful. You know, I say, well, I never feel that way. Oh, walk into a group of people that you've never met before. There's a sense of trepidation. There's even fear there. There's insecurity. The good news for us is that we can have peace because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now have a hope for life and an inheritance that never fades. Let me break that down for us, okay? So a hope for life. This is a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant love has begotten us again to a living hope. This hope that lives, it's simply this. We have hope because Jesus lives. We who connect ourselves to Jesus, we have hope, confidence about our tomorrow because we believe that as we are attached to Jesus, what God has done for Jesus, he will do for us. And in the face of our tidbits of terror and our morsels of misery, we know that if God can take Jesus, who took the weight of sin upon himself and was killed and buried in a tomb, if God can take that Jesus, roll away a stone, raise him from the dead, then when we connect ourselves to Jesus, what God did for him, he'll do for us, and we can have hope. There's a confident expectation that what God has done for Jesus, he will do for those who follow Jesus. That's a living hope. But it's more than that. It's it's security in the fact, in the confidence that, that God will take care of us. Why? Because now we're part of his family. In verse, when he talks about to an inheritance undefiled, pure and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, that inheritance, that's language of family. So here's what happens when you, by faith, connect yourself to Jesus. You cross over that bridge, cross the line of faith, become a follower of Christ. Then Jesus leads us into the arms of the living God who is our father. He is no longer just the creator of the cosmos. He is now our dad. He is the one who commits himself to us. He brings us into his home. He brings us into his family. Not only do we have a new beginning, we have a new family in which we live, and we are protected by the king of glory, God himself, who conquers all things and commits himself to protect his own. Here we stand children of the resurrected king and we can live in confidence we can live in hope we can live in security because god has committed himself to us now here's the thing okay i I get excited about that but here's the thing the question is not does that make me feel good the question isn't oh that's it's a nice little thought, nice little talk. We'll leave here and I feel a little energized. That's good. The question we have to answer is, do I really know God as my father? See, when we come here today, especially this day, it's, it's not enough for us, us to say with everybody in heaven and everybody in hell agrees. Jesus died on a cross and Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, I want you to hear that because that that might be confusing. But listen, everyone in heaven and everyone in hell 
including the demons themselves, believe the fact that Jesus, who is God's son, was killed on a cross and was raised from the dead. So when we get in this room, please know, it's not enough for us to be able to say, yeah, I believe Jesus died and he was raised from the dead. That's not enough. You see, for us to become followers of Jesus, for us to enter into this wondrous relationship with God the Father, there needs to be a transaction that transforms us. There needs to be an activity that God initiates in our hearts that makes us brand new, that brings us new life. This transaction of of God's grace that, that, that changes us from the inside out. And the question is, have you experienced that? Have you experienced that transaction of God's grace that changes your life? Not do you believe certain facts, but have you been transformed? Have you been changed? Have you been begotten again? Now, you might say, well, I'm not sure if I've been begotten again. Can I humbly suggest that if you're not sure, chances are you haven't been. And I don't mean to cast doubt on you. I just want to tell you the image of this passage is begotten again. Do you realize begotten again, if you were not and then you are, there is a change. If you were not and then you were begotten again and there you are, something's different and you know it. The baby in the womb knows that there's something different once it's been out of the womb. There's a change that takes place. That's why the baby cries, right? (laughs) Ah! Put me back in, put me back in, put me back in. Right? Transformation that God's grace creates is not anonymous. It's not secretive. It's, it's not, it, it, it's not some, some, some mystical thing that you, that you don't know. I don't know if I've got it. I don't know. If you don't know, chances are you don't. I'm not saying universally that's true. I'm just saying maybe you need to ask yourself the question. Have I really been transformed? Have I really been changed? Are you really part of God's family? Can you depend on Him? It doesn't mean that you're not going to have hard times. We all face our troubles, our our tidbits of troubles, our morsels of misery. All of us are going to get it as part of life. But the difference is when we're part of God's family, when we're under His protection, then His power is at work and we know it. And he sets up guard around us, and we're okay. We have peace. So bring it all down to this. If you're not sure whether or not you have been transformed by God's grace, if you're not sure whether or not you've experienced a new beginning, a do-over, if you're not sure, by the way, can I tell you, I am so thankful that God is a God who does do-overs. I am so thankful. I thank God this morning. Thank you, God, for the do-over you give me. I'll thank him tonight. Thank you, God, for the do-over. I'll thank him tomorrow morning. God, thank you again for the do-over. I'm I'm thankful that God is a God of do-overs. But have you experienced a do-over in your life? A new life, a new beginning? And if not, then I want to challenge you. The Bible says that the only way that you can experience new life is by becoming a follower of Jesus. Again, that's not about being a religious person. That's not about following a set of morals. It's not about somehow... Uh, aligning yourself with a philosophy to become a follower of Jesus is is not just spiritual soap of reforming your behavior or your attitude 
Becoming a follower of Jesus is where you commit your life to him and he changes you from the inside out. You see, there, there is this commitment that we make through faith in Jesus and repentance of our sin. And when we make that commitment, God by his spirit energizes us, gives us new life on the inside so that we can recognize I was blind, but today I see. I was lost in darkness, but now I am found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Have you experienced that? If not, then I want to challenge you. I beg you today, commit to follow Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please? To, co- to cross the line of faith and become a follower of Jesus, to experience the new life that Jesus offers all who come to him and call upon him by faith. There's a part that you need to play. I believe that God, by his grace, is uh, drawing some of you. Some of you are here, and you've, you're white-knuckling it right now. You're, you're like, uh, man, whatever he's talking about, it is affecting me, and I need to, I, I need to do something. And, 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 and that, many chances, that's God drawing you to cross that line of faith and become a follower of Jesus. And if that's who you are, then I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to repent your sin. Now, repenting your sin means that you turn away from all the spiritual soap that you've been using. You turn away from all the other avenues to try to give you peace in life. And you turn to Jesus and you trust that his death on the cross, his payment for your sin, and his resurrection from the dead will give you new life. You you, you look to Jesus, you cling to Jesus, you take hold of Jesus. You repent your sin and you trust Christ. To repent and believe on Jesus is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 10. He said, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. God will give you peace that never dies. He will, you will experience that transaction of his grace where he covers you in the righteousness of Christ as Christ takes your wickedness upon himself. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord by faith in that way experiences new life. So today, will you call upon the name of the Lord? Whether you're at Volvo or Kempsville, will you call upon the name of the Lord today? The way you do that is through prayer. And and this prayer that I'm going to share with you is not magical. It's not a formula that you follow, but rather it should reflect the intent and desire of your heart. So today, if you know that God, by his grace, is drawing you to cross the line of faith, to become a follower of Jesus for the very first time, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Oh God, I confess that I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. And there's nothing I can do to fix what my sin has done. But I believe that you sent Jesus to rescue me. I believe that he is your son, that he died on a cross for me, and he paid the punishment for my sin. I believe that you raised him from the dead so that I might have a chance at a new beginning and a new life. 
where all the old stuff is gone and there's new out in front of me. God, I believe that right now you're calling me to trust in Jesus with all my heart. So today I commit myself to cross this line of faith and become a follower of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer or something similar to that, if you cried out to God in repentance and faith, then I want to welcome you to God's family. You've crossed that bridge that Jesus built through his death on the cross and his resurrection, and you've entered into the family of God. And there's been a transaction of God's grace, so I welcome you to God's family today. And I want to pray for you. Father, right now, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for rescuing those that you've drawn to yourself. Different locations, different hours, but you've done the same work in their lives. You've moved them from death to life. You've offered them a peace that never dies. So now, Father, I pray that you would continue to speak and give us the courage to respond obediently to your call, even in these next few moments. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.